the way the way I see it is sort of fairly simple. Ad- advertising is a great platform because it's everywhere, and and I think with that comes uh, responsibilities. It's refreshing, and it it needs to be be heard, and those those different stories and viewpoints need to be to be told. Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast, where we talk about advertising, marketing, media, and creativity. I'm your host for the week, Brittany Kiefer, Campaign's Creativity and Culture Editor. This week, we're talking about topics that we don't often discuss on this podcast. Wombs, vulvas, sex, intimacy, erectile dysfunction, and more. That's because two recent ads, Body Forms Womb Stories and Viagra's Love Story, explored these often taboo topics. They also both earned a campaign pick of the week. So today we have the creators of those ads on the podcast with us. Nadja Laska and Nick Hulley are the executive creative directors of AMV BBDO, which made Body Forms Womb Stories, as well as a long line of award-winning ads for the brand before that. Laurent Simon is chief creative officer and Tamron Kerr is creative director at VML YNR London, the agency behind Viagra's campaign. Hi everyone, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. Hey Brittany. Hello. Hello. Doing good. Hi. Thanks for joining us from your respective homes. Um, let's start with talking about womb stories. So Bodyform has been on a journey over the past several years. It's come a long way from the ads of the 80s, which I can remember a woman jumping out of a plane in a parachute, which I'm sure is a perfectly normal activity when you're on your period. Um, its recent advertising has taken the brand in a new direction, starting with 2017's Blood Normal, which was notable because it was the first UK ad to depict real period blood instead of the blue liquid that normally stands in for it in advertising. And then that was followed by 2019's Viva La Vulva, a musical celebration of vulvas in all their shapes and sizes that picked up some canned lines and a D&AD black pencil. So, Nick and Nadja, what what is Womb Stories about, and how did you get here with the brand? Well, uh, Brittany, Womb Stories is is really about the sort of roller coaster rides um, of love and hate and pain and pleasure. It's it's both specific and general. So it's it's specific because it touches on issues of endometriosis, miscarriage, infertility, the choice to have children or not have children. Um, and the menopause, and and then things like getting your first period, and just the general day to day assholeness of of such that you sometimes have with with the uterus, universal because it's trying to describe that the the ups and downs. Yeah, I think we're 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 just on that continued truth telling journey, and I think that that the you know we felt that our periods and what happens in our wombs is not just a biological or physiological thing it's actually a complex emotional relationship so I think our north star was still to tell the truth about that love hate relationship that's so often considered shameful or improper to talk about and actually that women have often been told to shut up about Mm. so there are lots of stories that you touch on in the ad that people don't often talk about even with some of their close friends and family so you have a woman who has endometriosis a woman who goes through a miscarriage, another woman who decides not to have children. 
How did you choose these various stories and was there anything that kind of guided you as you searched for them? Um, I think that probably the experiences um, and life really, I think that there were so many of these stories that either I had experienced, many members of the team had experienced. So I think it's it's really a, a case of listening and, and what are those important stories that are coming to the fore and the important topics that are coming to the fore, like endometriosis or or miscarriage or, or, or the fertility journey and, and the idea that it's still shameful and that you're um, looked down upon if you decide you don't want to have have children. I think that there are so many of those internal um, shames that land up being manifested and, and actually that, you know, it's it's such a common thing that happens, but no one ever gets to gets to actually talk about them or feel that they are allowed to talk about them and that it's not shameful and and the the whole idea of kind of that complexity is is really the journey and and of course you know trying to think about how on earth we we bring that into a creative idea and use that complexity you kind of land up yeah i think that's when we were were choosing the the stories it was kind of like those um detective movies where you have all the the wall of the subjects because we were trying to you know everything had to we obviously trying to show the love and the hate and the pain and the pleasure so we needed stories and experiences that some were going to be profound and beautiful and 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 amazing like giving birth but balanced out with something as you know tragic and and first was that balance we know that 20 percent of of miscarriages of of pregnancies ended miscarriage but it's something that most people don't know about it and that's because you don't talk about it so mm. that was the second um you know sort of filter it, are, are these subjects things that people choose not to talk about and is there a consequence to that to that silence you know for example endometriosis can yeah. take you seven years to get a, a diagnosis and that's because people aren't told to talk about pain it's like you, oh you'll just have a bit of pain and so also, you if you it's... go to a doctor and that um, doctor has never experienced that type of pain, you know, and you you land up saying, "I have extreme pain and I faint," and they they, they just go, "It's called period pain. Deal with it. Here's a paracetamol." Mm. Whereas it's so much more extreme and so much more um, impossible and debilitating to to often live with, and that that kind of under research of that silence. Um, is is what happens, and I think that the other big thing that we were trying to push again is against is that simplistic narrative that girls are taught at school. You know, you're taught that the, the very simple story of get your period at kind of around twelve, and then you have regular periods, possibly with a bit of pain, and then you know you're going to want some babies only after you're married, of course. And then mm-hmm. you're going to have a few more periods and then then your body retires and then you die. That's it. No more life. Yeah. And then I think the third and probably last filter for why we ended up on those scenes is that it was to be sort of specific but universal. And I think that all of these things have shades of the universality. So And that kind of ha- making sure that you actually are mimicking that roller coaster that you go through in in life the 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 good and the bad the love and the hate you know we wanted the the funny and the poignant you wanted the happy and that and the sad to be able to 
mimic life. Yeah. So another topic that is not often discussed is erectile dysfunction or erectile problems. And in Viagra's ad, this is a, this is a big change for the brand because in previous advertising, it connected the issue to control or performance. But in this ad, it tells a story of a couple who are kind of drifting apart because of modern day distractions like smartphones or their work emails. And then finally, you know, they're able to come together at the end and, and experience intimacy again. Cameron, can you talk about how you did come to this change with the brand and, and why you decided to explore this issue through the lens of a love story? To me personally, what, what's been really, really exciting on a uh, professional level is the fact that it was, that it's, it's probably the first brand consumer campaign that I've, you know, that I've ever done. It's, it's, it's hard to imagine because, you know, Viagra is so known around the world, but um and it was just really interesting to see how we could help them shift. It was all about trying to break the silence. You know, erection problems is uh, it's probably the, the the last and the hardest taboo to to break for men. Um, there's such an omerta about it. You know, men don't talk about it. Women don't really like to mention it either. The media, social media platforms are very cagey about it. Um, you know, I can't think of a film or book or track or article or whatever else that you know that sort of mentions it and when they do it's it's often you know derided or, or in a funny way you know cr creatively uh what's really exciting is when when you've got an amazing problem in front of your you know on your desk and in that case it's like how do you break the seal when no one is comfortable with it uh, and that was just a, a fascinating place to uh, to start was it difficult to convince the brand to go in this direction or did they come to you and and want to change I think when we took them the idea I definitely don't think that they were expecting to see to see that idea presented to them to be honest mm. uh, so I think it took a really brave client to buy something that was really uh, category breaking because um, you only have to google um, you know Viagra or Cialis or any any of those ads to see that they all sort of really look the same. So um, I think when we first presented it, um, the the looks on their faces probably <laughs> probably said that they weren't expecting to see it. But they um, they're a brilliant uh, group of clients who are very brave and uh, were really happy to start coming on the journey with us, um, which is great. Now, both Bodyform and Viagra use animation. Um, Bodyform is a mix of animation and live action. Viagra is completely animated. But I wonder if you could each speak about why you chose that technique. What does it lend to the storytelling to use animation? So, I mean, I think for, for womb stories, it allowed us to mix a kind of a harsh reality with, with really tender emotion but also to kind of add that uh, that craziness and that um, imaginative beauty to all of our womb worlds. Um, you know, you could be completely ridiculous and, and laugh at your womb dweller that was controlling you like a, 
a system um, in your in your womb, but you could also go on on the kind of deep deep depth of that roller coaster into a very soft and expressive way when when you're talking about something like um, like miscarriage, which um, is is you know obviously a very very awful emotional space to be and to to allow that softness to to surround that was was really important and i think that the 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 last thing was just really being able to to visualize an inside world of a womb um in an artful and kind of visceral way is almost a key to start having a relationship with our own bodies yeah, and that visualization of of something where you can actually imagine who your womb dweller is, or, or what your womb looks like in a in a more expressive way, uh, could be very interesting. Right. Yeah, because a lot of us don't understand, uh, or, or we're not educated about what happens with our own bodies. Tamron, did that come into play at all when you were developing the Viagra ad? Yeah, I mean, we we definitely wanted to use animation for emotion as well. I think you can really get into those kind of um, real human moments. And I think it was really important for our ad to feel really, really relatable. So so that almost everybody could see a little bit of themselves in our characters. Uh, But then animation also allows you to kind of really push that as well. So there's like a moment where they've sort of grown so far apart um, that she sort of drifts off into the darkness and I think you obviously can't do that with live action in the same way so you're able to dig into the emotional bit up front that makes it feel really real and that strikes a chord with you but you're also able to push that a lot further so that you can really get that emotional um, the storytelling arc that you really need. Yeah so I wrote a piece a few months ago about the new rules of sex and advertising. And I wondered from each of you what what you learned about sex and bodies and, or, and gender identity when you were exploring these topics for each of the brands. Um, Laurent, did anything surprise you when you were making this? I think the, 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 the first thing to realize is just how complex those topics really really are because um you know just listening to what nick and nerdia were saying is that there's loads of similarities and parallels with uh what was happening on our side with with viagra and the fact that um you know the the story is not that simple you you know that there's lots of ingredients that come to play that come to interfere to try and normalize that we had to sort of shift the blame and and when when you were listening to um, you know to men talking about it in, in research groups, it was quite um, it was quite heartbreaking, uh, really really heartbreaking, um, just to hear people saying that they see themselves as less as men, or you know questioning whether they their partners are uh, feeling that they're the culprits, whether they've you know failing partners, um, and trying to get to the place where when they when they understand the way one understands that it's you know it's not you it's just the pressures of life um, that shame just disappears that shame disappears and all of a sudden it's like two people reconnect you know reconnecting again and that's to me that that's been the most yeah the most awe inspiring moment in, in the whole process is just realizing how much we allow the external world to shape and put pressure on what is the most intimate of spaces 
Yeah, what I liked about it is that it wasn't just exploring erectile issues, but it was connecting it to this conversation about what is masculinity, how is that changing today. And similarly with body form, I think there it's powerful to see stories like that represented like that of the woman deciding not to have children, for example, which is still often a taboo subject. Did you learn anything surprising, um, Nick and Nadra, when you were working on this? Well, absolutely. I mean, on so many on so many levels. I think personally, a specific um, statistic that 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 shocked that that really shocked me was um, the prevalence of, of miscarriage. That twenty percent of 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 pregnancies end in miscarriage. It's such a yeah. It's it's deeply sad that it's so common, and yet. Nobody talks about that. You never hear about it. You know, Nadja and I, we we we've sort of been on this journey since Black Normal. We you know we we made Black Normal as as well as this. So, I I have been I have been learning hard. You've been immersed in it. <laughs> I I've been immersed in learning hard and fast, and it's 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 constantly surprising, constantly um, inspiring, and just yeah. Yeah, I stories. think it's kind of that. It's almost like lifting the lid of a pressure cooker. It's mm. that all of those those stories and and that kind of we did this this listening project to kind of ask people to describe their 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 womb worlds and to visualize them in in with a personality or to describe them as a as a room and and I think that the it allowed people to express such beautiful poignant um stories that almost and you can kind of see it now in in the 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 comments it's it's almost become a cathartic experience to be to to have the the platform to be allowed to say that and to to be allowed to express yourself um and tell your story or tell tell what has happened to you or what you're what you're going through and i think that it kind of um it's it's deeply deeply profound and it, it it breaks that cycle of of silence and it allows people to learn and and from each other and and have their experience their own experiences validated by hearing from from um someone else's story and i think that you know with with the taboo and with shame is it doesn't it doesn't announce itself as here's the taboo coming to to shut you up or mm. you should feel shame. It, it presents itself as, oh, well, you know, some, and in this case, you know, often it's, oh, well, people just don't like to talk about these things. You know, this is the mystery. Yeah, it's improper. Of the mystery of being a woman and some things should be, should be kept hidden because there's an allure. It, it doesn't, but, you know, what we're seeing is that this, these are things that people do want to talk about. They do want to express themselves. They do want this relationship, they do want to be heard. But on that topic of taboos and shame, how much do you think it is really the responsibility of advertisers and brands to break those taboos and to address some of these shameful topics that we're afraid to speak about in society? Is it is it the brand's job at all? Tamron, what do you think? I, I definitely think that, I mean, particularly in the case of Viagra Connect, it's definitely um, up to us to start changing, changing the way that people view not only the brand, but the issue as a whole. I mean, it is 
popular culture has taught us so many sort of like incorrect <laughs> incorrect things over the years you know um there's so many misconceptions about about erection problems in general that I think that being such a um pioneering brand and probably the, the main brand that you think of when you think about erection problems um I think it's definitely our responsibility to start changing that and to start really correcting the way that the the way that people see it so I mean, um, it, it's such a really, it's a hugely common problem. Um, uh, it affects a huge amount of men um, all around the world. One in four relations, one in, sorry, one in 14 uh, relationships uh, end up breaking up because of it. Um, but yet we don't really talk about that. That's, that's insane. We definitely have to start correcting the way that we, um, that we speak about male issues in particular um in in advertising Laurent do you agree with that oh yeah absolutely absolutely the the way the way I see it is sort of fairly simple advertising is a great platform because it's everywhere and and I think with that comes uh, responsibilities Uh, and we we as practitioners agencies brands we we have to play our our part in in what is uh, civic duty um you know the the, the t- taboos are um, a big a big part of that. You know whether you're representing equality, diversity, or whether you're pointing at things that are we're not getting right as as a society. Um, I think it's absolutely valid to try and show a way out of it, and you know in the room and the space for everyone to improve together. And I know that um, you know <laughs> morals. And ethics are obviously fairly subjective, uh, but I think deep down we all know what feels right and what everyone is seeking for. You know, if you like, if you had the chance to like to make the world a little bit better, if you could help relationships across the country, if you could make women feel empowered, if you could represent a fairer, more accepting society, give a platform to people who don't have one, I think it'd be criminal not to do so. Yeah. Uh, thinking back about body forms ads, it's, it was just a few years ago that Blood Normal came out and it was considered groundbreaking that we were seeing real period blood on our screens in an ad. And now it seems almost, um, you know, old fashioned, like, of course, we would show that in an ad. But do you think that society's views are changing? And are we, you know, is body form leading the charge or just trying to reflect a wider shift that's already happening? I think society is changing because you, you do something, you put a you put a crack in there, you do the blood. What is first rejected by the broadcasters is then later accepted and that allows more people to do it and so, and slowly but surely things get become normalized. And I and I know that that Naj and I are you know always sort of mentioning that Body form is a is a mainstream brand, and there is something very um, powerful about a mainstream brand shifting the dial on what is normality. And you know, and if it's if if it's happening on the high street, that itself just has creates a wave of normalization. We haven't received as much hate this time around with with womb stories. Oh yeah, did you receive a lot of hate for Viva La Vulva? For Blood Normal. For Blood Normal oh, really? and and the brand received a lot for Viva La Volva. Just in terms, just 
you know, again, it's improper to talk about these things. It's improper to show these things. And, and I think, you know, it was blood normal. It was really interesting because obviously we had a, a fight with the broadcasters and then a year and a half later when it was released in Australia, it was the most complained about ad of the year, the most complained, second yeah. most complained about ad of all time to the the broadcasters and the broadcasters turned around and said sorry it's it's going on air it's staying on air and i think that that shift is is really really interesting has viagra received any um complaints or negative comments since it released love story um not not that i know of yet i mean it's it's fairly recent so uh, i think there's just been a general um, an interesting response from men on uh, on Twitter, which is quite interesting in itself, because I think I think mm. nobody really saw this ad coming at all. So nobody yeah. really nobody really expected to see that. Like it, you don't realize it's a Viagra ad, obviously, until the end. So I think that there was sort of that that unexpected surprise at the end that everybody was like, "What is this?" What have been some of the comments? The main comments have just been like, I, I saw I saw a sweet ad about relationships that I did, and suddenly it turned out to be a Viagra ad. Um, so I, I think they were sort of a bit surprised by it. But I think <laughs> yeah. any sort of negative comments just kind of shows you how not really people are to talk about, you know, a, such an important subject. So I think as long as we can start to open up the conversations and get people talking, I think we've done our jobs. Yeah, that definitely. It's the, uh, th- that's been a, a really interesting find. It's that like, we, we, sort of, we sort of knew or we guessed that men wouldn't really talk about it or want to share it or comment on it or whatever. So, you know, strategically, like from the word go, inviting women in, and making the story about relationships as opposed to the story of man, you know, was uh, definitely deliberate for that reason. Uh, and what I found really almost too predictable uh, to a certain extent is the fact that the, the first 48 hours, there was almost like two camps and men were slightly uh, miffed by it, whereas women welcomed it. And then after 48 hours, there were more and more positive comments coming from them. You know, whatever sort of imprint it, it may have had, but to me, that was sort of almost the, 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 the proof of that to a certain extent. Regardless of how many people we reached, you could sense that, uh, it's like, all right, the, the, the dialogue is changing a little bit. Do you think that there are any remaining taboos that advertising needs to tackle? And that, that can be within your brand category, but even outside do you think, oh, you know, it, we have progress to be made in other areas? Yes, 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 yes. And yes, I think, I mean, I think that there are just so, so many in, in so many different areas. And I think the interesting thing about a taboo is it's a taboo for a reason because it's it's so deep set and it, it takes a lot to to undo it and, um, and unlearn it. And I think that... Um, it's actually in that debate and in the uncovering of the shame or the hatred or the negative reaction um, and shining a light on things like that and shining a light on those kind of dark corners is where the power is at and where the debate is at is, is people almost self-regulating that conversation and arguing and debating with each other. Tamara, do any come to mind for you? Any areas that you think that advertisers need to explore in a more open way? 
I I agree with the other guys. I think there's there's lots. Um, I mean, twenty twenty, uh, this year has has really showed us that the world's a bit broken. Um, and there's probably quite a lot to sort out, really. So any any way that we can bring not not only joy, but you know, we can start to show show people that um their lives are completely like normal and we can start to break those taboos in our ads I think that would be that's our sort of duty to do that yeah I mean another thing that's been a a big topic recently with the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement but also just in you know discussions around the pandemic and exposing certain inequalities within society is this issue of representation. And we know that that has been a topic within advertising for a long time, um, something that it's improved upon definitely. But we know that advertising does have a big part to play in telling these kind of diverse stories and, and representing different experiences. And I'd love to hear how each of you are thinking about that topic now in light of the events of 2020 and how it might be influencing your work and and the kind of ads that you make and how you cast them? I think first first and foremost, Fulaj and I, we just passionately believe that diverse stories and diverse everything is, is, is better creative. It's fresher, it's more exciting, it's more, it's more fresh. There is a creative drive and urge there that that is irresistible that we are drawn to, and it's where the best work lies. It's where the the, the most creativity lies. Telling underrepresented stories are so powerful because they're underrepresented, and I think that they find their voice by being told. It's such a it's refreshing, and it it needs to be be heard and those those different stories and viewpoints need to be to be told for for um for various different reasons and and one of them is of course creativity and 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 feeling validated in 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 the world as well yeah definitely i mean the um, diversity is almost like a a commercial imperative you know it's, it's obviously the like the, the the right thing to do, you know, morally, humanly, but also from a commercial perspective, regardless of how big or small the brand is, you need to behave as a broad church. And you can only do that if you're fully inclusive. You need to represent people, you need to tell different stories, you need to you need to show that um you know everyone's welcome the way the way they are and that you you as a brand with your services and your products, you can help with their lives, regardless of whether it's entertaining them, informing them or, or you know, whatever other sort of uh, benefit. Definitely. Well, on that note, I think both of your ads have been creative bright spots in a pretty crazy, terrible year in many ways. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about them and explain what went into them and thank you for joining us you're welcome thanks for having us thank you thank you thank you for having us thank you cheers guys bye we'll be back soon with another episode and a bunch of exciting new guests so be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player today and be the first to hear new episodes see you soon